49% of W-2 employees in, in the United States are willing to, or actually do have a side hustle for alternative income or to diversify their annual household income. So for example, we found that uh, the average person who has W-2 employment is working 13 hours a week over four separate days and earning approximately a, a median of $5,000 annually from uh, at least one side hustle. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Welcome, Googleization Nation, back to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. As you can see, I'm Joyce Joya, and my co-host of the show, I'm filling in for Ira Wolf, who is currently completing the his keynote for the 2021 HR Sherm Virginia Annual Conference. Not surprisingly, he's talking about how your candidate experience is not what it could be. If you're interested in scheduling Ira to speak at your next conference or business meeting, please reach out to him at irawolf.com. You can also purchase his book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, on the googleizationnation.com website. And if you're not a member of Googleization Nation yet, we hope you'll subscribe. It's free to join and you'll get weekly updates, not only about the guests that uh, we're going to have on the show, but also about uh, webinars and special events that we are sponsoring. And speaking of sponsors, we want to thank our two sponsors, ingomu.com, the learning platform with almost 100 coaches and success performance solutions for their sponsorship of geeks, geezers, and Googleization. You'll hear more for the, from them later in the show. Now we have two great guests today and uh, both of them named Mike. Our first guest is Mike Barbera. Mike Barbera is the chief behavioral officer for Clicksuasion Labs. And I have actually, I love Mike's information. His research is just so spot on. And that's why I invited him to be our guest today. He's chief behavioral officer at Clicksuasion Labs. And every year they issue the six top marketing trends to watch in the, in that year, in 2021. And I actually wrote a Herman Trend Alert about it. But let's welcome Mike now. Uh, welcome, Mike. It's great to see you again. Joyce, the pleasure is all mine. And I understand that uh, your background is in a field that I am just fascinated by, which is behavioral economics. Tell us a little bit more about what that is. 
Well, uh, traditional economics is um, making decisions based upon utility, whereas behavioral economics is making decisions based upon uh, our perceived wants and needs or our behavior. So, for example, uh, if you look back at the maybe the all the purchases you made in the last 30 days, more than likely all those purchases were not life-sustaining. Maybe there's some medications or there's some purchases in there that did sustain life, but most purchases did not save a life. So we're spending money on things that we want, need, or enjoy more so than items we need to sustain life and live. Ah, so it's all about the field that we used to call psychographics. Do they still call it psychographics? There, there is a small segment of people in our field who still use the term psychographics. And, and what that means is that it's, uh, it's all about values and attitudes, right? That's what psychographics are about? Absolutely. And very closely related to behavioral economics, I understand. They, they both coordinate, or, well, we can categorize both into the social psychology field. Aha. Okay. So I want to start with my very favorite of your trends, which happens to apply a lot to many of our listeners who are HR professionals. And you call it alternative income sources. But there's another name that a lot of people call it, right? And what is that? That's the side hustle. Side hustles, yeah. Um, I, I was thrilled to learn from you that there are many, many companies that are already helping their employees to have those side hustles at the same time that they're working full time for the company. Tell us a little bit more about that. So this study, well, at the lab, there's there's typically two types of studies in two categories. One's going to be consumer driven, and the other one is HR employee engagement. This actually, although it's now an, it's an HR or IO psychology study, uh, it it was derived on the consumer side when looking at consumer decision making and consumer purchases over the last 24 months, or I should say, calendar year. 19 and calendar year 20, we've identified that there is an uptick in trends of consumers making purchases on items that can contribute to alternative or additional revenue streams such as the side hustle. Uh, so peeling that on, onion backwards in the, you know, the research world, we've identified um, that most people are willing to, at 49% of W-2 employees in, in the United States are willing to, or actually do have a side hustle for alternative income or to diversify their annual household income. So for example, we found that uh, the average person who has W-2 employment is working 13 hours a week over four separate days and earning approximately a, a median of $5,000 annually from uh, at least one side hustle. Very, very cool. So there are actually employers that are supporting that by helping them to find side hustles. Is that accurate? Absolutely. We all know hiring is um, it's difficult finding the right person and it's also costly. So we want to keep our talent as long as possible and keep our talent happy. So what we found is um, rather than lose uh, a great team member to two other side hustles that maybe combined can contribute more annual income to that family, as well as maybe provide a maybe more flexible quality of life. Uh, many employers are starting to embrace, well, maybe we're just not it. We're not the end of the road. We're not the only 
uh, source of revenue in this person's life. So let's embrace it and let's find ways to incorporate it. So some organizations are uh, giving team members additional responsibilities that have nothing to do with their actual day-to-day job responsibilities. So it's the perception of having two separate jobs. Uh, some employers are giving more flex time to be able to be reactive to supporting those side hustles or alternative income uh, freelance positions. And then lastly, my favorite, some organizations are actually, uh, instead of hiring one person for part-time position, they're hiring one person for two part-time positions. Whereas say you're going to work, um, 40 hours a week, you have 20 hours in department A with one supervisor and then 20 hours in department B with a different supervisor. So it's the perception, it's two different positions uh, and you have the, the perceived safety that if you were to lose one role, you still have the other to fall back on. Brilliant, really brilliant. I wonder how the Bureau of Labor Statistics, however, looks at those two jobs as two separate part-time jobs or as one position, probably two part-time jobs, I'm, I'm guessing. So are there any more specifics that you could give us? I, I'm, I'm not exactly asking for the name of a company, but maybe uh, get, get a little more specific in terms of, uh, would it be something like uh, answering the, the uh, being receptionist after hours? Okay, that's a good question. So mo- the the industries or that we're seeing the the most side hustles or alternative income or you know freelance positions coming out of are those that are uh, either in service based hospitality or in anything that's labor intensive. So a combination of labor intensive or service or one of the other is typically where the majority are coming from. Okay, so say I'm a uh, housekeeper at a hotel. Um, is there something that you could conceive of that would be a side hustle for me where I could actually earn enough money to support my family? Well, the side hustle that an individual chooses typically comes down to uh, their ability to uh, be able to complete that task, their desire to want to, their willingness to, and then um, how does it match with their current lifestyle and, and their, um, their, time, their schedule? So, for example, if I was a housekeeper at a hotel and mm-hmm. I work, say, maybe 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily, four hours, well, that leaves maybe either the first few hours in the morning or a few hours in the evening if I, if I have a typical uh, sleep schedule. I could drive for Uber. I could deliver for Uber Eats. I could also get on Upwork or Guru and be a freelancer in copy editing or copywriting, whatever I find my talents is or where you think you want to go. So not only are people spending money on the on the on the products that drive the revenue, say, say an individual decides to drive for a ride sharing company as a part-time or freelance position, they might go and buy a vehicle that meets the requirements for Uber or Lyft or, or another alternative. Whereas some people might want to uh, work in Google Analytics as a freelancer on Upwork. Well, maybe the, 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 the barrier to entry is a little different for each where you have to have a vehicle for, uh, for ride sharing, whereas for Uh, Being a freelancer on Upwork with Google Analytics, you probably need to have a little bit of experience and then also uh, a stable internet connection. Whereas maybe that person spends money on an investment into a Google Analytics certification or something similar to. Got it. Got it. So the second trend that I'd like to focus on from your six is something that you call employee activism. And how do you think 
that HR professionals need to respond to this trend? Or in fact, if, as I recall, you think that they need to be proactive, right? Well, we try to be proactive as best as possible. This is more of a reactive uh, mm. trend because we can't, what well, we can try to predict as best as possible what's going to happen. And more than likely when employee activism occurs, PR or HR is, is stuck in a position of being reactive. And I'll give an example. Mm. Um, first, before I talk, talk about generational concerns, uh, I dislike talking in generational terms because if we say, for example, we talk millennials. A, a millennial could be 25 years old, currently out of work in the service industry due to COVID-19 and be struggling with college debt. Another millennial could also be 35 years old with two children, and they both have two different decision-making processes and priorities in life. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then there are baby boomer millennials, <laughs> like Ira calls himself, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're, you're absolutely fine. <laughs> and so when, when looking at the generations, we're going to split it right in half. We're going to go uh, Generation X and older and then everything else below. So Generation X and older typically believe that the workplace climate and culture is separate from their own personal life, culture, beliefs, and ideologies, whereas those who are younger than Generation X believe that a brand or their employer should uh, react to how their employees feel about political ideologies, culture, climate, and concerns, et cetera. So it's a little bit different in the, in the thought process. So where it becomes challenging is where, let's say, um, a team of employees who are in a younger generation uh, believe they believe um, their employer or brand should believe in political ideology X. Well, uh, they're likely to take to Twitter, talk to their friends, uh, be out in public and represent their ideologies. And then they expect the brand to be reactive and support whatever they choose, regardless of what the brand messaging might entail. And this is where HR and public relations becomes reactive in a communication strategy to keep employees happy, as well as keep customers as happy and keep the brand on message and positive brand equity uh, through a 360 or holistic brand experience. Got it, got it. So our third trend uh, that I want to focus on it was something that you called home-centric. And I understand that that has everything to do with the fact that given that we've all been in our homes, working, working out, uh, taking care of children, learning. Our homes have become everything to us, right? And so a lot of people have been spending on their homes. And the I think I quoted it in my Herman Trend Alert article that the sales at the home improvement companies are just going through the roof. They're going gangbusters. And uh, how do you think that's going to change as we emerge from our home isolation, and how do you think that's going to affect HR as well? Good questions. So let's 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 step back a little bit and identify um, what happened. So there's six trends that we we're looking at for 2021. Of those six trends, five of them were expected to happen in 2021 or or a few years thereafter. Some of them were accelerated due to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, the home-centric trend is something that was not planned for 
or expected due to quarantine and lockdown restrictions. Uh, once we, I say we as you know, North Americans or consumers were uh, restricted to our homes or residences, uh, we wanted to improve our homes. So we all have that, that list of home projects to do, whether it's paint a wall, knock down a wall, or improve a backyard space. Uh, we all have some sort of list to do, and that became more salient when we couldn't leave our home. Well, now we're gonna improve our home because we wanted to do this and now we're, we're stuck here, so we want to make the best possible living space we can. Some people don't have any outdoor areas. Some people have a lot of outdoor space. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the geographic area and, of course, the um, the home or property that the person's residing at. Um, due to that, because uh, people want to make those improvements, the um, the spending trends on products that do incorporate, say, uh, home improvements or apartment improvements did significantly increase early on in the pandemic, and they're still increased from what they were expected to be uh, in Q2 of, of this year. Um, is that likely to change? Yes, of course, there's always going to be a bell curve. It's probably going to peak downwards sometime soon, uh, but where it's likely to stay elevated because uh, we've invested some capital into our home, we enjoy it, now we want to incorporate it together. So brands are reacting uh, on the consumer side to uh, incorporate their products into the home. How can this product be also be used in conjunction with the kitchen, with the living room, with the outdoor space. Well, how can um, human resources or people and culture also react to that trend as well, be proactive, is many people are working from home. Uh, for some industries that will stay the norm or will stay popular for a while, and for some others it will not be popular because some industries just can't work from home. Uh, for the ones that can, uh, it's important to identify the workspace that our employees are working in because at the end of the day, employers are liable for the workspace that their employees are working at in their homes, uh, you know, safety, et cetera. Anyway, um, having a, a desirable workspace that is fun, engaging, and cohesive with that person's um, um, workflow is important. So if a, if a brand could also find ways to uh, as best as possible, separate work from the rest of the home or enhance the um, uh, the work environment in, in the home is, is, is helpful to employees to want to stay with that company and also try to build that separation between the life work balance. And this, this particular topic and what you've just been talking about brings me to something that I think is going to happen. And I'd love to get your take on this. You know, I, from you, again, I learned about something called revenge spending. And revenge spending is the reaction that people will have when the demand is no longer pent up, when we can actually go out to restaurants, when we can travel. And, and there's going to be a, a tremendous explosion in those areas. Uh, restaurants are going to get crowded again. Uh, airplanes are going to get crowded again. But I think also that when we enter the workplace, and I've learned from you that it is called, it's going to be called re-entry, that there's going to be a kind of joy, a kind of excitement that people feel as a result of being back in the workplace, in the congregate workplace, as a result of being able to physically share space with other workers. 
There, there's going to be there's going to be joy. There's going to be happiness. Uh, there's going to be some excitement. But I want to caution that that joy, happiness, and excitement is likely to have some elasticity, where it's also going to come with some fear, some anxiety, and some uncertainty. Because two colleagues are likely to return to work or re-enter and say, "Joyce, it's such a pleasure to see you." And you go for the are we hugging? Are we doing this? What are we, are we shaking? So keeping employees safe or the perception that they're being kept safe, uh, maintaining COVID-related policies that keep people safe, uh, and then you're ma maintaining or managing expectations of social distance, physical distance, temperature checks. These are likely to keep uh, reduce anxiety and let employees feel more comfortable when returning to social environments, social engagements, especially at the workplace. And reentry not only applies to human resources, people and culture, and the and the physical workplace environment, but also applies to social engagement. Uh, going to a dinner party, meeting friends at at your favorite big box store, or on Main Street while shopping. They're likely to uh, also experience those anxieties and uncertainties when engaging with friends, colleagues, and peers. Wow. Well, thank you so much for all of that insight. Ira, just to catch you up, we, uh, we went through the three top HR-related uh, trends that Michael had talked about. And then we went on to talking about the joy that people will experience when they return to the workplace. And, and hi, everybody. Hello, Michael. Nice to meet hi. you. Likewise. I appreciate that. I'm going to let you continue the conversation because it sounded like a good one. I was listening backstage for a little bit. So. Okay. Well, thanks, Ira. So the, uh, the, the concept of, of celebration, for instance, Michael, do you think that that wise employers will want to have a celebration if they can do it with physical distance, maybe by department in a big space? I think we should always celebrate as much as possible. So this is this is more of a, a Michael pet peeve as an employer more than a researcher. Uh, most employers will have a party or celebrate when a team member leaves the organization. Here at the lab, we throw a party on their first day. We want you to celebrate and be happy you're here. We don't want you to leave us. Uh, so we're not happy you're leaving, but we'll still, we'll still have a celebration. But yes, try to celebrate every little moment as best as possible because it keeps employees happy, keeps them engaged. And more the, the, real, the A word is the most important is keeps them appreciated. Michael, how can people uh, get the full six uh, top trends from you? What Could they just go to clicksuasion.com? I'll make it even easier. Clicksuasion.com forward slash 2021 trends, 2021 trends. Great. Thank you so much. So people can go there and they can just download it for themselves, right? I'm just, just click play. That's all they have to do. Hit, hit the link, hit play, and sit back and enjoy. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This has just been fascinating to look at how behavior uh, it will affect uh, going back into the workplace. And I think that post-COVID, all the things that you talked about, being careful, and, and celebrating and the joy. I think that these are all concerns that HR folks will, will need to be aware of. But you had three other trends that we have a little bit more time so we can focus on. And one of them was magnify Wall Street, Main Street. And I see 
an opportunity for employers to support their local community uh, in terms of helping to magnify Main Street. Do you see that as well? Possibly. I don't have the data or the research to to discuss um, how employers could support Main Street businesses. Uh, but as 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 North Americans, as consumers in North America, we we really want to support our Main Street businesses. There are conveniences, there are barriers. We find that sometimes maybe going to our favorite.com and hitting one one click order and shipping is easier. But then there's also the feel and joy of going to a physical brick and mortar location and buying something from a local business owner. So there's convenience, but there's also happiness. And so finding that mix, and if uh, I, I believe just more of a, as an entrepreneur. Uh, and just talking more hypothetically, if employers could build relationships and partnerships or find incentives for their employees to shop local, I think that's a phenomenal plan as long as it matches organizational um, culture and climate. And what if organizations really want to, to make sure that their culture is evolving in the way that it needs to be. How can they use your insights to help to transform their culture into what employees are looking for? All right, that's a good question. I'm gonna say three answers. One, actionable, two, relevant, and then three, sustainable. Let's start with the relevancy. There's a lot, if, if you were to look at some of our studies, there's a lot of information in there. I would expect and, and advocate not to try and employ everything in that research because it's likely to become overwhelming and not sustainable. So find the few items, I would say three, that are relevant to your challenges or concerns as an employer. Uh, number two, find ways to make it sustainable. Uh, let's say we have a New Year's resolution where we want to lose 100 pounds in January. We know that's probably not going to happen. So to meet this goal of losing 100 pounds in January, we join three gyms. We change our diet on day one. Uh, we change all our clothes. And by day four, we're eating cheeseburgers and we've quit. Uh, instead, of, instead of changing your diet on week two and then only going to the gym three days a week for the first three weeks. So I would say incorporate these three items in small, measurable benchmarks over time uh, and then not to expect change immediately or overnight. And then lastly, um, actionable. Use the items uh, or the recommendations and the research that are actionable. You actually have the resources to put into play and they're not too complex. Uh, more than likely, you don't have to... Um, incorporate every single recommendation as it was in the study. But if you can pull certain parts of it out and incorporate it over time and sustain it, I think employers should be successful with that. Is there a secret that you have for getting employee buy-in? <laughs> um, I don't think I have any secret that I, that I could, you know, sell or sell a magic potion. I wish, I wish I did. Um, I think just, just championing, championing, um, their their progress, being an advocate, being a coach, being a listener, and I think I think I can also I sum that. Wow, I can't talk. I can sum that all up with being present um, to your employees, and mm -hmm. I think if you're present to to their projects, their procedures, their concerns, uh, then you'll you'll have their attention and their buying when needed. Wow, Michael, this has just been an amazing time listening to you again. I could listen to you all the time. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I, I definitely will. I, I will definitely be listening. I, I th this is right up my alley. I often say I'm a I'm a marketer uh, at heart, and I just happen to be in the HR space. So I, I can't wait to hear your your trends were spot on. Uh, is, is when Joyce, when both you and Joyce sent them over, 
And I really appreciate that opportunity. So I'll be listening. And uh, I'm, you, obviously, you're going to be doing more surveys and more updates. So we'd uh, love to have you back on. I'm always here. We're always clicking data, and I'm more than happy to share. <laughs> We're always clicking, too. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. And yeah. just to reiterate, if people would like to have those six top marketing trends for 2021, which you've just heard apply to HR as well, please go to clicksuasionlabs.com slash 2021 trends. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank Ira you, Michael. Joyce. You both are amazing. Keep being awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joyce. I, I jumped in the middle, so I heard a little bit of that. And uh, again, I can't wait to, to go hear what the, the early questions were. Uh, and uh, as I teleported in there, I, I've managed to uh, be virtual. I, I still haven't figured out how to be virtual in two spots at the same time, um, but uh, we can do it pretty, uh, pretty quickly. So uh, we're switching gears here. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, I again for um, I know you. I think you introduced it in the beginning that uh, I was actually giving a keynote presentation, uh, which did. we pre-recorded uh, to the uh, Virginia Sherm their annual meeting uh, this year. Last year they unfortunately had to cancel it, uh, so we, they did have it. Hmm. And uh, you know what? One of the things that I love about uh, that I like about the new the, the platform, the fact that I re-recorded it, uh, I'm able I'm able to engage with the audience in the chat. And it was incredible. We were having this super active chat because I was able to, while I'm talking, I'm able to have this other persona over here, you know, tossing questions out, asking, hey, what are you thinking about that right now? And if you're doing the presentation, you know, you, you do a lot of speaking, is that you have material to cover and you can't just stop and go, Oh, hey, what's everybody thinking about? And then go off in some tangent. So we had these tangents while the presentation's going on. Uh, and and uh, I've, I have found that interaction during some of these keynotes, uh, some of these presentations virtually when they're recorded is better. I have more response. I have more follow-up. I have more questions. Uh, when I'm able to, when you're able to split yourself and both speak and interact at the same time. Uh, and that's what we're gonna be talking about in the next segment a little bit. Uh, we've got uh, Mike Spermuli back uh, for HR Tech, uh, for not HR Tech, but uh, basically our, our tech segment. And uh, he has, uh, he's been working with two apps. Uh, one is on virtual meetings and the other is on virtual networking. So it sort of, it, it I didn't plan it that way, but the uh, the follow-up is, is actually really good. So we're going to be taking a quick break. We're going to hear from our two sponsors in Gomu and also Success Performance Solutions. So please stay with us. Uh, we'll be back in under two minutes, and we'll be talking with Mike uh, Spermuli about some of the uh, tech software trends that are going on for networking and virtual meetings. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. You just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life. 
filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Teasers, and Googleization show. Thanks for being part of Googleization Nation. Uh, we're in our second segment today. Uh, we had a great, uh, well, I didn't, but... Uh, <laughs> we did, <laughs> Michael. Uh, with uh, yeah. Doctor Dr. Michael Barbera uh, from Clicksuasion on some of the consumer trends that will be certainly affecting the workplace and hiring and recruitment uh, going forward. I, I have to personally listen to that, but uh, hopefully uh, you'll you'll share that and hopefully you enjoyed that. But now we've got Mike Spramuli. Hopefully Mike is here, and uh, we're going to bring Mike on. There is Mike. Mike so, is here. Hello. Mike, really Mike's uh, suffering a little bit from a, a second uh, COVID injection, correct? A little bit. It, it's not too horrible. It feels like Mike Tyson punched me in the arm. But other than that, you know, little little, little fever, but we're here. You got to press on, right? Yeah, that's true. That the, the beauty of virtual, right? Or or the downside of virtual. You're, we're always on. So uh, I don't know yeah. if you heard the closing, Mike. Um, I did. <laughs> so, you know, so here I am, um, you know, again, the millennial and the baby boomer body trying to be two places at one time. Uh, figured it all out except how to be two places. That, yeah. I talked about that when we talked about millennials. Yeah. I said, and and my co-host, Ira, who who calls himself a millennial in a baby boomer body. <laughs> yeah. And, and the one the one thing I didn't figure out, we, we figured out how to be on screen in two different places, haven't figured out how to, to, how to occupy uh, time in two different places and uh, have the two different conversations going on at the same time live. Uh, Mike, I mean, so that was a great opportunity. I mean, so I, I just attended, uh, participated, gave a, a keynote at an event, both I pre-recorded it. And I said this before, I've had great interaction on, on the pre-recording them and then being able to participate in my own presentation, that there was a lot of activity. But there's some new softwares uh, that you've been playing with a little bit on both networking and on virtual meetings. So what, what have you found? Sure. So uh, the necessity is a mother of invention. And I believe these platforms were around prior to the pandemic, but it certainly accelerated their growth. I mean, look what we saw with Zoom. Uh, now it's a household word. But I actually participated in two different events. I, I was just a participant, meaning I didn't run these events, but they were very interesting. And I thought I'd share how they uh, could impact your audience. And one of them was a virtual networking session. And the site that this happened on was uh, Hopin, H-O-P-I-N.com. By the way, I have no financial interest or affiliation in anything I'm talking about today. Just want to disclose that. <laughs> and what's neat about Hopin is Hopin is a platform where they enable you to do, I believe, I'm sure you can customize it to however you'd like, but you can actually do speed networking there where the system will randomly pair you up with someone. You've got three minutes to chat and it's video based like we're doing here. So I'm looking at the person I'm speaking with and vice versa. In three minutes, you can figure out if there is any potential to do some business down the road. And if there is, you click a button and you automatically exchange contact information so that you can then follow up later 
online. Now, if you find that there is no synergy whatsoever, you don't accept the invite and you never see that person again. Now, for those of you who are disc literate out there for high D's, high assertives, high impatient people, I was loving this. I got to network with 28 <laughs> people in, in two hours and the quality of those conversations and leads were far better than any type of in-person chamber of commerce networking event because you're not stuck in a rabbit hole where you're trying to pull yourself away from someone. Everyone knows the game rules. Three minutes, have your pitch ready, listen to their pitch, and if there's something to follow up on, you move forward. So I was I was really I think that's the thing to come as for, from a, from a networking standpoint. No, it doesn't replace face to face, but it has a lot of benefits that you don't have to in, get yourself embroiled with walking around at, you know, a cocktail event to those types of things. And it, it keeps it organized too. How many times have we gone to networking meetings and you got a fistful of business cards and you didn't write who was what on the back of the card. And then you're trying to figure out when you, get back to the office. Now, who was that person again? It alleviated all that. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that with regards to how people are, are connected. And Mike, what uh, kind of, yeah. what kind of uh, company sponsored that? Well, yeah. it was, it was a specific so, uh, industry. I don't want to get too particular, not that it's a, a big deal, but it, it was just a specific sector. Uh, it, it could be any vertical or lateral market, really. Uh, and this was uh, a group of industry folks in a, in a sub-industry. So you're, you're kind of pre-qualifying yourself before you get involved with this. And they charged a nominal fee. I think it was like 15 bucks to participate, which, you know, was very economical. They, they did have the ability on that platform also to do some keynotes and stream to the group at large. It's, I don't want to just indicate that it was networking only. It, that was the big chunk of it. But then there was a lot more functionality that was built in there. So like anything else, you know, the success of those events ultimately depends on the composition of the group who was in there. And, and this, this actually happened to be right. It, it wasn't tilted one way or another where there wasn't any opportunity to cross promote. It was actually a very well mix. And I think that's what made it so successful, at least from my perspective. So but, this was an association meeting then is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. It's similar to that. Yeah. It, it's an industry subset. And, and it, so it, it pre pre screens, so to speak, you know, if, if, for example, someone in the automotive industry would not have been a good fit for that environment. And you know, this up front because what Hopin does, and you can go to their site now, they got dozens of events that are there. They even promote the event publicly. So you certainly wouldn't want to rely on them only to promote the event. But that's another mechanism to get people in the door in addition to other company to the event sponsor promoting through their list and social and, and other outlets. So, so Mike, on, on one of the last segments, uh, we talked about Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, so sort of, an, I mean, it can be networking, there's engagement, but there's, there's not a way to communicate within that event, but you, right. you can make connections and listen to people. Uh, but I was exposed uh, about two weeks ago to an, another one called Lunch Club. Have you heard about Lunch Club? Nope, haven't heard of that one. The stuff moves so, so quick. <laughs> like, so good. So here's the millennium on the baby boomer body. There you go. So, lunch Club I, is one-on-ones, networking. And so oh. you join Lunch Club, uh, and I, I, I don't, I think it's by invitation only. Um, you need to send me an invite. <laughs> um, I got to see if I can even send an invite um, because right. I, I was introduced to that. I will, I will definitely do that. Uh, and then you 
you you select a time to meet mm -hmm. and they will pair you with somebody else who has is available during that time and prior to that obviously when you register mm -hmm. you're you're putting in what are your interests is it business right. or hobbies or fishing yep. or, or whatever uh but it's more of a business uh it, it's, it is a business uh networking so they you you get paired up with somebody who might have a similar interest or complementary interest and then you say, what do you want to get out of it? And it could be, I just want to meet people. I'm looking for introductions. I'm looking to network. I'm looking to grow my business. Uh, and they they try to use whatever their algorithm, algorithm is, is to pair that up too. So I had my first meeting last week. I got two introductions out of it. I was like, wow. hey, I know two people. You know, what do you do? What do you do? And we, I had two introductions after that, that people might be interested, you know, in talking. So it's, a, it's really a one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, you're yeah. going to make a commitment of, you know, 15 or 30 minutes to, to chat with somebody, um, but you can also decline it, uh, go from there, but it's it's a one-on-one. -on -one, so I, now, it was it, is it video and audio or just yeah, audio they, only? They have their own platform. So when you oh. sign up, they control, the, they control the dynamics. So it's not that we go out and say, hey, do you want to meet on Zoom or good, good meet, you know, go to meeting or whatever it so is. They the, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, you go to the lunchroom they, and they take care of that. So you're in their platform. Nice. I don't know what they're doing with the data behind the scenes on that. Well, Hopefully you know they're that. selling it. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't identify the product, then the product is probably you. Yeah, so you got Hopin and uh, now there's a, there, what's there, the there other was, one? There was another one. Now this is totally different. This was a virtual trade show, full trade show, wow. different industry, but from a, an association type of perspective. And this platform was called Hyper Fair, H-Y-P-E-R-F-A-I-R. Now, what's nuts about this is if you've ever looked at the, the uh, Second Life, I don't even know if that's still around anymore. But in Second Life, you were able to have an avatar and wander around, you know, all these exotic places. I didn't get into Second oh, Life that much. It's, it's called the virtual reality these days. Oculus. Yeah, okay. You can do that in your Oculus headset. Oculus. So this was pretty amazing because you get an avatar that you get to customize and you can physically walk around the trade show floor. Now, you see other people walking around. You want to know if they're a potential business connection? You click on their head and an info box shows up above them. And uh, this person's uh, just looking to get into the industry. All right, well, they're not going to end up needing anything that I've got, so I'm moving along. But you keep clicking around, and you can see what their profile was it, it contains. And then if you have a connection with them to do some business, same type of deal. You can exchange business cards. But this is a much more robust platform. That networking piece on Hopin and their virtual meetings, that's good for quick and dirty type stuff. But this was a multi-day trade show, very much like the real deal. When you walk a trade show floor, they have meetings that you can attend or uh, not meetings, but uh, presentations. And they have different salons that you can go in. You can pop into one. If that's not tickling your fancy, you can go into another one. They did have very similar to what you experienced today, Ira, the live chat function. So some people who did pre-record their session, they're actually in that chat giving more uh, feedback to specific questions that people might have. And I, I tell you, it, it got me thinking, you know, think about trade shows. They've been a staple for probably a hundred years, but what an inefficient way to do things. You got to log all this stuff to a trade show. You got to set up booths, spend thousands of dollars to uh, have things designed. Then people have to attend and, and all this. And 
yeah, that they're fun. I enjoy going to a good trade show just as much as the next person. But I was able to do this from my office virtually, still hang out for three days, and you know, pop in and out whenever I needed to. It's going to be interesting to see how much of that technology takes over brick and mortar trade shows moving down the road. Because from an efficiency standpoint, I, I was very impressed. You can cover a lot of ground and not waste a lot of time, and your feet don't hurt after three days. <laughs> well, and for women who wear heels, that's particularly <laughs> appreciated. Trust for me. men who for men who don't, it's appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, Mike. I mean, you're 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 dead on. Uh, I, you know, the the conference season is starting. I said I wasn't going to do as much, and then, you know, I submitted a lot of applications. Unfortunately, right. I got accepted. And some of them are saying you can still be virtual, but they are some are requiring you to be on site. And uh, it, it, this was more on a personal thing, just to to make flights to visit my mother in a couple of weeks. It's a pain in the butt. Oh, I mean, there, there's not as many flights as, as there used to be. A lot of them to consolidate. There's now is not as many as non-stops, so it's a longer engagement. Uh, and so, it, you know, one is just getting there. Mm -hmm. And then I also noticed. I don't know if this is uniform, but uh, when I went to do a car rental, now if I'm going for a conference, I usually don't do it. But where I was going, the car rentals have tripled in cost. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. I mean, we used to pay thirty in Florida. We used to pay thirty, thirty-five dollars maybe a day. $90 was the cheapest I can get. Wow. And, and I looked and I came, maybe it's the weekend. Uh, and it wasn't the weekend. I mean, it was like every, I kept going week after week, just I was curious. Um, so, you know, and so every, you know, the rates are, it's going to be more expensive to travel. It's going to be more pain in the butt to travel. It's going to be inconvenient. You know, I'm supposed to speak in, in Las Vegas in, um, uh, in August. Um, it's a four and a half hour flight. And now I've got to take two flights to get there, which means nine hours or 10 hours. I'm going to, you know, mask um, during that time. I mean, so yeah, I, I, there's lots of reasons. I don't think the conferences are coming back to where they was. That's not good for places like Las Vegas <laughs> that depended on, you know, millions yeah, they, they're millions not thrilled. <laughs> yeah. They've got a lot of convention space that they're trying to fill, but, uh, I, I imagine it's probably, and this is just me forecasting as best as I can, looking at how things have been going. It's probably going to be a hybrid thing, at least for the next couple of years, maybe in three to five years when COVID is completely under control. Uh, we'll go back to the, <laughs> the next hopefully, one, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> until the next one, uh, okay. then they'll go back to full force in person, but yeah, yeah it I, definitely I, it, like everything it has, it has its weaknesses, but it certainly has its pluses. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was amazed because when I did that first hop in speed networking, I didn't, I, you know, it was a $15 gamble. It was like, this was two hours well spent because it was, it was just direct and to the point and you're not having to sit there figuring out how do I get out of this inane conversation that is going to go nowhere. I mean, a trade show and networking event is there for business purposes, social life. I get elsewhere. So, so if, you're let's like talk Mike, business. if you're like Mike and you're hyperkinetic, uh, then, <laughs> then uh, you know, try hopping. And if you want more one-on-one -on -one, uh, try uh, lunch club. I uh, like that. Yeah. I will check yeah, out. And, lunch club uh, you know, certainly sure. check out the, uh, the conferences. And I, I think we're going to see more than that, which is also an interesting segue. Not only did we have a segue today from what it was like to network, uh, but next week, our guest is Angela Dayton, Dr. Angela Dayton, and she's heavily involved in VR, especially in education, virtual okay. reality. She's actually located on her, her, not her company, but where she's located is in Oklahoma on Cherokee Nation. 
and they they deliver their entire they didn't miss a beat during the pandemic because it's all virtual reality the students are all virtual so uh, yeah. That's our guest next week. So that'll be uh, a continuation of this conversation as they all are. Mike, what a great uh, investment by the Cherokee Nation, huh? You Truly. About, you know, public and private schools. And then you have Cherokee Nation is leading the back, is one of right. leading the pack, especially in education, which is desperately in need of some help. Um, so we'll be excited to hear about that. Uh, Mike, pre I was good to see you. Hopefully you feel better. I uh, appreciate you being here. We'll be talking. Thanks for having hour. me. It's yeah. always a pleasure to chat with you both. And uh, who knows what will happen in, in, in a month. You know, if things move <laughs> quick. We, we may be talking about cloning. So we'll see. <laughs> no, please, no. Thank, you, Mike. thank you, We've been trying that for a while. All I right, know. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking about it and it's possible that one of the reasons that the car rentals are more expensive is that they're taking extra, extra precautions yeah. due to COVID, but double? Triple. I mean, but even the hotels, oh. and they they range at times, but even the hotels uh, and travel and convent, I heard for concerts, the concerts, the, the live events that are opening in summer are going to be completely ticketless. There's no touching. I don't know what's going to happen with the refreshments, and and souvenirs and things but interesting it you're going to have a completely touchless experience which also means what happens to people that aren't comfortable using smartphones and technology how, how are they going to get in to uh, these events so it's catching up and that's what we talk about on geek skeezers googleization talk about the convergence of business technology and people for some people it works and for some it doesn't uh thank you joyce for stepping in today i really appreciate it for uh, kind of doing the launch. And uh, I've got to go back and listen to that conversation. It was uh, one of those topics that I, I love to uh, be involved in. And uh, I'm going to have to listen to uh, Michael Barbera. And thanks to uh, well, Mike Day. Uh, yes, <laughs> thanks to Mike Tremoli. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, yeah, and check out Hopin, H-O-P-I-N, uh, and check out Lunch Club if you're interested in some networking. There are some of the new trends there. For those of you who are our uh, regular listeners on Geek Skeezers Googleization, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not subscribed yet, please do. It's free. Uh, you'll get updates about this and some new upcoming webinars that we've I've got planned for May and June. Didn't have those quite ready for today yet. The, until next, and and make sure thank you listen to us on the podcast. And thanks to Ngomu, our our okay. sponsor and Success Performance Solutions. Thank you for reminding me to do that, Joyce. Uh, until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans.